We're going to begin a two-part series today. We will take a break in between for the picnic, but I really want you to hear my heart on this. I love our teenagers. I love our students. And they are getting ready within the next month to go back to kids, cover your ears, school. Many of our kids are going to head off to college soon. And I want to prepare them. I want to make sure that when they come, that there's always something in the years that they spend here at this church that helps prepare them for their colleges. Most of our kids are going to go to uh, secular schools. Some will go to Christian schools. But friends, I value the faith of our students. And I want to make sure our faith of our students can withstand the onslaught that they may receive at the secular school, and I want them to also the onslaught they may receive in the Christian school. Because every now and then a wolf sneaks in the Christian school. And so I I want to, to prepare. I can tell you story after story of Uh, professor who comes in and says first of all I want you to understand that this is not Sunday school I'm going to talk about the Bible and I'm going to take the Bible apart and if you have faith at the end you will be lucky and then begins to tear it apart tell you the story we're going to tell you uh, in two parts the story of Josh Josh goes and he is asked to be a guest professor at a at a college university and so he walks in and he stands up and he says I want to tell you that the New Testament has more uh, credibility than any of the old any of the historic documents out there including Homer including Caesar including, and he starts naming them off, and the history professor in whose class he is lecturing begins to laugh. And so Josh stops. And Josh says, excuse me, why are you laughing? He goes, that is ridiculous. How can you say this? How can you make such a crazy statement? And he says, well, I have a statement to ask you, a question to ask you. How do you determine if a document is legitimate? Silence from the history professor. He hadn't thought that through. So Josh took him through how you determine whether a document is legitimate or not. You see, out there, friends, you're going to, this is the number one thing you can write down, first thing if you're taking notes, you can write down, everyone operates from a world view. Everyone 
all of us, everyone in this room operates from a world view. No one is neutral. No one. Some worldviews automatically start with the idea that your biblical faith is wrong. And they try to pretend that they're objective. They try to pretend that they are neutral. But when you start with the deck already stacked, it isn't. So we're going to talk about that. Now my friends at Faith Search, and by the way, you'll find at the bottom of your, of your uh, notes today, uh, a website that you can go to. The PowerPoint we're going to use today, and I'm only going to use a portion of the PowerPoint, is from Faith Search, and they will give it to you for free. You just have to go to their website, and they will give it to you for free. The president of, of Faith Search is a dear friend of mine, Joe Comrack, and basically he says, Greg, take it, give it to your people, it's, it's, it's theirs. So uh, it's, it's yours. But uh, we're going to talk about some of the attacks on the Christian faith. But first of all, the attack on the Scriptures. Now, you say, but Greg, why do we have to worry about that? Well, let's understand how important the Scriptures are to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture. All Scripture. is breathed out by God. It's God-breathed. It's inspired. And is profitable, useful. Useful and profitable for what? For teaching. Teaching means this. This is the path I need to live on. This is the path I need to walk on. Teaching. For teaching. For reproof. Reproof is this. Hey, you're getting off the path. Hey, you're, you're, you're going off the path. You're not staying on it. You're not on it. Correction. Here's how you get back on it. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you get back on God's path. And training in righteousness. Here's how you stay on the path that the man of God may be competent equipped for every good work in other words this is God's tool that he uses to keep us as the men and women that he wants to use and we need to be people of his book go with me to second Peter second Peter chapter 1 starting in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when, we re for, for when He received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice borne to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I was well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more, sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to 
pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, that this work of God comes from God. And we can take it and we can believe it and we can apply it. But it's under attack. Go to the next slide, please. One of the most famous attacks is something that started 10 years ago and it actually started an avalanche of attacks on our faith. And it was the Da Vinci Code. How many of you have seen some of the movies or read the book? I mean, it's great fiction. I enjoy Tom Hanks. He's one of my favorite actors. I, I enjoyed the movies. But the writer made some serious allegations about the Bible. Serious allegations about Jesus. And he says, hey, I've got them all backed up, by the way, folks. And he says, well, yeah, it's fiction, but it's not. Next slide, please. Let's go through the allegations. Jesus was married. Did you know that? According to them, Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. And they had children. In fact, they lived in France. Because you know when you get married, you need to move to France. Next one. Our Bible was constructed by the Constantine's political whims. What this means is the Bible didn't exist until, oh, maybe 350 years after Jesus and only because one of those evil, one of those evil um, Caesars decided he wanted it. Next one. And everything we've learned about Jesus is false. It's been made up because Constantine and some of those other people said to believe that. Next one. And the church doesn't like women. Next one. And Jesus was voted divine at the Council of Nicaea. This is the council that um, uh, Constantine called. And up to this point, Jesus was just a good old boy. He was just a good man. But uh, at that council, Constantine forced those guys to, to vote him in as God. Well, if all this is true, you and I, we've got some serious problems with our Bible, don't we? We've got some serious problems with our faith. So let's go on. Let's, let's kind of take this point. In fact, here's one of the, the things, according to him, Leonardo da Vinci was in on it. And if you look... Click on it. His allegation is the, what is supposed to be what we think was John. That's really Mary Magdalene. And that's what he says because he, he was in on it. He, he point, painted Mary Magdalene in as Jesus' wife at the Last Supper. Click on the next one. Well, you know what? Here's what they count on. They count on the fact that we don't know where to look they count on the fact that you and i for the most part go upon our lives and we're we're not scholars and we don't dig stuff up and we, we we don't know where to look but did you know what in the christian community there's a lot of good scholars and they responded so click on that if you would keep on clicking yeah yeah and many of these 
up in the upper corner, Daryl Bach, he is one of the greatest scholars you'll ever run into. Uh, they literally tore it apart. Friends, when someone says, well, that, they, they proved it. No, they haven't. In fact, all the evidence is on our side, not theirs. Go to the next slide, please. Well, Greg, why does this even matter? You know, uh, you don't normally teach like this, and Greg, quite frankly, when you teach like this, this is kind of boring. You know, we like your stories better. You know, well, I'll, let me share why it matters. Click on it. Because our faith is a historical faith. Basing its truth on the claim that we can know God exists because he came to earth physically as a man, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago. That's important. You see, we're not a made-up faith. We're not one that's just, well, yeah, someone just started scribbling. We have a historical faith. Next slide, please. You see, in, in um, history, there are a couple different kinds of religions out there. First of all, you notice on, on the one side it says personal. There's a lot of impersonal faiths out there. Uh, various forms of Hinduism is impersonal. Uh, Buddhism is impersonal. But you and I have a personal faith with God. We have a God that actually cares about it. Deism is a belief that God just wound everything up and walked away. We don't believe in deism. We have a God who actually knows the number of hairs on our head, and for some of us, that's easier for God than others. Personal. But we also have an infinite God. You see, naturalism says that God can't operate within the box of the world because miracles can't happen and, and things like that because guess what? God, if He does exist, can't be that powerful. But we believe in an infinite God. Now, historically, there's three major religions that believe in an infinite God. First of all, there is Judaism. Judaism claims that and we agree with this claim that God verbally communicated to Moses the Ten Commandments talking with him on Mount Sinai we believe in that Islam believes in an infinite God a personal God and it, they claim that God verbally communicated to Muhammad but what is unique about Christianity is this next one we believe that Jesus Christ came to earth as God 2,000 years ago in the man, Jesus Christ. And that the Logos, the communication of God, came as flesh and blood. That's unique. And that can be proven. That's amazing. It's not just someone saying, God, talk to me. We're saying God walked with us. Pretty cool. Let's go on. Well, the Da Vinci Code and many of those who jump on board, the new atheists and others, they want to strike at the heart of our faith. The historical Bible, the written word, and Jesus Christ, the living word, are the two cornerstones of our worldview. Now, a worldview is how you 
view the world and what makes the world make sense. We believe that because ours is a God-given worldview to a world that God has created, our worldview makes sense. And that of all the worldviews, it makes sense of the world. Well, to shatter our doctrine and to shadow our worldview, let's attack our historical underpinnings or our historical foundation. Go to the next one, please. On what basis then should we believe the gospel stories about Jesus considered true? Next slide. Which is correct? The stories are true because I believe them, I have faith. Or the stories are true, I believe the stories, I have faith because they are true. All right, before he hits the key, pick your box. Now hit the key. Yeah. God doesn't tell us to go out on a limb. God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you truth so you can believe. What, did Jesus, what was one of Jesus' names? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He gave us truth. Go on. Well, the author of the Da Vinci Code and everything that he made, many others are making these claims. All the descriptions of artwork, architecture, documents, and secret rituals in his novel are based on accurate information. In fact, next slide. He met with Matt Lauer on the Today Show. Matt said, how much is true? And his answer was, everything, everything, all of it is historical fact. Well, sorry, Dan, you're a great fiction writer. Next slide. The fact is... We don't have time this morning to go through every error. It's a great novel. But it isn't true. And many of those who quote those or use those same attacks on our faith are using false evidence. So let's go to the next slide, shall we? So let's take one of them. Let's take some general errors that many groups use, but he highlights. Go on, please. He says, Shekinah is the female equal of God. Shekinah does not mean female God. Shekinah means glory. Go on. Uh, this is Yahweh. And he says what it means, and it's completely false. Number three. Uh, oh, he says... There were trunks of documents underneath Solomon's temple. Uh, friends, first of all, if you tried to get underneath Solomon's temple today, you're going to have a lot of angry Muslims because there is a mosque sitting on it today. So you're not going to be able to get under it. So this doesn't, didn't happen. So let's go on. So, Greg, why are you doing this? 1 Peter 3. But your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And I hope this morning to do it in that way. A little fun, but 
still with gentleness and respect. Go on. So, next one. Let's talk about the New Testament. Go on. I just read this verse to you. They, uh, we did not follow fables, but they were eyewitnesses. Next verse. So how do we know that the New Testament is reliable? First of all, we want to test its integrity. This is called the biographical test. And we test the ancient manuscripts. Next one. This book was written about 50 B.C. It's written by Caesar, Julius Caesar. It's called the Gaelic War. And this book literally shaped warfare uh, for many, many decades, uh, hundreds of years, in fact. It was read by many uh, of uh, people, even like General Washington would have read this book because it was considered a primer on how to fight wars all right and everyone said this is caesar's book well let's go to the next now let's understand manuscripts you see where you got the the highlighted 1400 1500 all right and you see the highlighted 50 50 was about when that book was written so if you'd click the next that's when julius caesar wrote it that's when the printing press was invented. So click it again. Up to this point, this is scribal copying. That's someone taking a manuscript and longhand copying. Up to this point. So up to this point, everything we have has been hand copied. How would you like that job? Anyone? All right. And now with computers and cut and paste, it's even better. All right, so now, click on it again. Let's talk about this. Now, Plato, we have seven of his manuscripts. Caesar, we have ten. Livy wrote a history of the Roman Empire. We have 20. Aristotle, we had 49 of his. 193 of Sophocles, and Homer, 643. 643 sounds pretty impressive, doesn't it? Now, to show you how things are changing, we've actually found another 240 of Caesar's, and we found almost 1,200 more of uh, um, so he's up to 1,800. We're up to 250 of Caesar. I want to make sure you, you get a fair look at this. Whew. How many New Testament ones do you think we've got? Anyone want to guess? How many say 1,000? How much? Okay. Any? All right, click the next screen. Okay, Caesar, there's his ten. ten. <laughs> and guess what, guys? That one's wrong, too. That's probably closer to 30,000 now. And depending on what you add in, it could be up to 36,000. Huh? Well, we don't count the Book of Mormon in that. That's different. 
This is the New Testament. But thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. That's, that's a good insight. Yeah. Um, you want to add in the Old Testament? How many, think, how many do you think we have of the Old Testament? Anyone want to guess? Come on, Marge. You give me a guess. Help Grandma out. Give her a guess. 75, good guess. Problem is you were 175,000 off. We have 250,000 copies of the Old Testament. Do you think we got a few copies? Yeah, go to the next one. You see, by having all these old copies... We're able to put them against each other and look and look and examine and look and we can tell when someone made a oops. In fact, and when they copied, they would write when they made oopses because they do make oopses. Any of you make oopses when you write? Yeah. And they would copy. Oh yeah, I made an oops here. Some of them they would burn if they, had, if they made too many oopses. All right. Now, how early are the ancient manuscripts that have been found. Let's go to the next one. All right, here, remember this we, we just did? Okay, click on the next one, please. The earliest known manuscript that we have found for Julius Caesar, about 875. So roughly 900 years after it was written. That's a long time, isn't it? Click on the next one. Click again. And there's a guy named Virgil. Uh, he wrote about 50, so we can get up to 250 years after him. Aristotle, we are about 1,400 years after him. Click again, please. All right. Jesus dies around 30 A.D. Click. Legends begin about the 170 A.D. That's when you start hearing about legends. The eyewitness report is going to be the 70 years after Jesus died. Click again. Uh, click again. Now, one of the ways we know what's true is what outside reports say. In 110 A.D., Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, he quotes 18 of the New Testament letters, including all four Gospels. Next one. In 108, Ignatius quotes 24 of the New Testament letters, including all four Gospels. Next one. In 96, Clement quotes 11 New Testament letters in three of the Gospels. All right, so they're quoting stuff saying this is already circulating. So by 96 A.D., we know that the New Testament is already circulating. Are you traveling with me? I know this is technical, but travel with me. Next slide, please. We can demonstrate that 25 of the 27 New Testament letters were circulating by 95 A.D. And we think that the New Testament was done between 70 and 90 A.D. So within 
20 to 25 years of the New Testament being completed, it's circulating. Yes. The different letters, but all those different letters were being sent to the different churches. And the churches were saying, yep, 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 the four Gospels, yep, these, the letters of Paul, yep. In fact, we have uh, Peter in his writing go, remember the writings of Paul? That's Scripture. And so they're all going around. The, the canon, that was the Council of Nicaea that Mr. Brown was saying that, see, they made us do that. But you know what? We have proof that it was already being done by the church 200 years before, is what I'm saying. We're our, it was, the church was doing it. The early church leaders said, these are the books. But there was no big council that did that. Next letter. Good question, Kiki. And, and thank you for asking. Um, so, we have the Gospels being Gospel quotes and secondary literature still during the eyewitness period time. We have it happening during the, the eyewitness period time. Way before the legends begins, click again. Click again. We now have fragments that go all the way. We have one fragment that goes to 60 A.D. We believe that that was either a copy of the original or a copy of the copy of the original. Isn't that cool? Click again. And that we think there's one from John that may be even older. Click it, click again. Yeah, that's 60 AD. Isn't that cool? Click again. So we have we have manuscripts close to the original writings. Click again. Click again. We'll go past that because I'm running out of time. All right, now, you're going to hear about the lost Gospels. These are the Gnostic Gospels. The Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of this, the Gospel of that. Guess what? They didn't get started, most of them didn't get started till after the second century, after 200. Most of them were 250. Some were even in the 300. Question, do I believe that which is in the midst of when Jesus' followers were still alive, written by His disciples, or do I believe that that was written 200 years later? Yet all the stuff that Brown and those are quoting are from 200 years later. And they're going, oh, no, no, no. The early church loved this stuff. The early church didn't have that stuff. Does that make sense? Are you following with me? But you see, they count on the fact that most of us don't have the resources to go and look it up. Next one. Next one. Next one. So, next one. 
He says the Gnostic Gospels are the earliest Christian records. Next. They're late 2nd, early 3rd century. More than a century after the earliest Christian records. Next. Next. Okay. This is going back to your question, Kiki. You see, one of the things that happened at this council was when we, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim's my resident scholar, um, they did say, hey, this is, this is the, uh, the canon. But let me tell you about the men who came in. The persecution of Christianity had just stopped. The men who came in were missing hands, eyes, feet, and arms from the persecution of, for their faith. Not one of them walked in whole. Do you think they were going to listen to Constantine tell them which books of the Bible were going to be Bible books? They weren't. They had paid too much. They were willing to die for what they believed. They weren't going to let an emperor tell them what to do. And so they confirmed what was true. Oh, friends. We're going to pick this up in a couple weeks. But I want you to know you can trust your Bible. We have an accurate Bible. We have a Bible that was seen by the eyewitnesses. We have a Bible that no matter what the early critics say, has passed the test and you can hang on to it. Trust your Bible. Father, we give this time to you and we would ask that uh, you would help us be trusting the Word of God as given. We have the manuscripts. We have the proof that it is your Word. And may we walk in confidence with it. In Jesus' name, amen.